Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 133 for the third of Nissan in a leap year. And today, still in the middle of chapter 39, we are going to be discussing love languages. Specifically, one particular love language, namely acts of service. So just a little background. So for those of you that are familiar, this is a very popular concept these days. There was a Um, The concept of love languages was popularized by a man named Gary Chapman, who wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And the premise of the book is that we humans have five basic love languages, and these are more or less predominant within us. So the five basic love languages for for background are there's words of affirmation, there's touch, there's quality time, there's gifts, and then there's acts of service. So the so the way that love languages work is that basically if two people are in a relationship with each other, like a husband and wife, and they don't necessarily have the same love languages, sometimes this is where relationship conflicts could arise. So like, let's say if the wife, her love language is quality time, and his love language is gifts. Maybe let's say he is a workaholic and he works overtime all the time, but then he buys his wife really expensive presents. And somehow she's still really unhappy because her love language is not gifts. It's actually quality time. And she is just waiting for him to give her that quality time and spend more time with her. Well, that's just a little example. And then the idea of this love languages is to uncover what your spouse's love language is and then to learn how to cater to them. So once he would recognize that quality time is important to her, maybe he would carve out more time in his calendar for her. And once she would recognize that his love language is gifts, maybe she would start buying him little gifts. They don't have to be expensive, you know, but little thoughtful things. She could probably do that. So love languages. So today we're actually going to talk about God's love language, believe it or not, and God's predominantly long love language, which is acts of service. So acts of service in love in the love languages love languages paradigm is the idea that the way that a person feels love is when people do different things for them. So for example, when somebody washes the dishes for them, when somebody does them a favor, when somebody uh, takes out the garbage for them, they, they, they feel taken care of. They feel like they are being loved. So this is very true for God. God, as we know, wants us to serve him. He wants us to do all kinds of different things for him. We have all these mitzvahs and things like that that he set out for himself. And in doing these different acts of service for him, this is a way for us to express our love of God. And 
what we've been learning about in the past little while and this chapter and even the one before that is really the role of intention in service and what role intention plays and how yesterday we learned about how if a person is serving God, quote unquote, but without any kind of intention at all, then the service doesn't actually ascend. It doesn't fulfill its its mission. It doesn't go up. And today we're going to take this even further. And we're going to really talk about the idea that not only when we talk about somebody who doesn't have the right intention, we're not only just talking about somebody who has like bad intention, but we're talking about somebody who just like does God's commandments by rote, really in this like automaton kind of way, kind of format. So I think a good parable for this is sort of like, let's say if you have a husband and wife and they perform acts of service for one another, but it's really just by rote and there isn't really this love infused in it. So even if the person's love language is acts of service, it's it's not really going to be felt in the same way. So like, let's say for example, let's say you had a woman whose love language was acts of service. And let's say the husband, so he does, he, he does all the right things. He takes out the garbage, he washes up after himself, he chips in for doing the laundry and the dishes and all of that stuff, but he doesn't really have a smile on his face when he does it. He doesn't do it necessarily in a loving way. It's just sort of like a thing that he does as like sort of like a duty to his wife, um, but it's not really... It's, it's kind of like just there, there's something missing in it. And, and and let's say he's not even doing it for her sake. Maybe he's just doing it because he was raised to be responsible in that way. And so he's taking out the garbage and doing these things just in a responsible kind of way. So it's going to be hard for the woman to be outright upset with him and mad at him because he's doing all the right things. But there's going to be something missing. And she's definitely going to feel a lack of love, even if her love language is acts of service. If he's not doing it as an expressive expression of love and if he's not doing it explicitly for her sake but he's just doing it for his own sake because maybe he just likes not having garbage around and doesn't like having a messy home and stuff like that it's not going to give her that love it's not going to fill her love tank the way that it should be and so this is what we're going to talk about today in today's tanya is this specific idea is when people do mitzvahs when people serve god but they're not really doing it with the intentionality of that it's for god's sake when it's just kind of like a thing that people do by rote because this is how they were raised this is what they're used to it's habit and things like that and how that also will not cause the service to ascend so let's get into the text and see how the altar of it explains this. So there's a term in Hebrew that's important to know here is the idea of doing mitzvahs lishma and mitzvahs lo lishma. So lishma means for their own sake and lo lishma means not for their own sake. So not for their own sake often is translated to mean that it's like there's like an ulterior motive to it. Like people are doing mitzvahs to gain something. It's for their own benefit or something like that. So the altar of it starts off and he says that even if a person is not involved in mitzvahs like really lolishma meaning it's not it's not like that they're doing mitzvahs for like an ulterior motive for some kind of like ulterior gain but rather like uh, god forbid you know like for glory or i don't know there can be all kinds of different reasons why a person might do mitzvahs for their own for themselves and for some ulterior motive but rather as is written and here the altarebbe cites ishayahu chapter 29 verse 13 where it says 
אנשים מלומדה, which literally means their fear of me was like commandments of men done by rote. Meaning to say that a person is doing these commandments because they are habituated into them. This is something that they've been doing since they were young, that their father and their rabbi taught them to to learn and to fear God and to serve him. But so he's not really doing it for God's sake, for, for the sake of the mitzvahs themselves. Because what does it mean if a person's doing these things, if a person were to truly serve God for it and do the mitzvahs for their own sake, this wouldn't be possible without actually arousing a sense of love and fear that are natural and innate in the heart, at least, at least that, to have them come out of hiding of the, in the heart. to be revealed in the mind and in the recesses of the heart. Just like, and now the altar brings this parable of man to man. So just like a person does not do a favor for their friend to, to fulfill the will of the friend unless they actually love or fear them. So again, going back to that analogy of the husband and wife, if a husband or a wife asks the other person to do a favor for them, The only reason why they would actually go and do that favor for the other person is because they love the other person. They're not going to just like stomp do it unless they have something in it for them or unless they really love the other person. So, so too, we can't be saying that we're doing something for God's sake, truly to fulfill God's will without actually remembering and arousing our love and our fear of him at all in our minds and in our thoughts and in the recesses of our heart. at least. So it's, it's, it's not, so the altar is saying that it's, we don't need to, so remember there's two types of intention. There's the intention that comes out of intellectual appreciation in the minds that we come to this like intellectual understanding of God and awareness through our meditation and contemplation. And this leads to a very deep, passionate sense of love. And then there's the other one that is a lower form, but it's kind of like the bare minimum, which is where a person just taps into their innate love of God on a very basic level. And this innate love of God leads them to perform the, the mitzvahs and to do God's will. So, so what the altar is saying is that a person would not actually do things. We can't say that a person is serving God and like doing things for God's sake, unless they are at least arousing this bare minimum state of like arousing their innate love of God. Just like a person would not go and do a favor for someone, for their fellow, whether it's their spouse or their friends or whoever, unless they had some kind of love for them on some level. And then the altar concludes and he says that, and even just love alone is actually not enough to call it service without having at least the lower level of fear, at least, which is hidden in the heart of every Jewish person, as will be explained further on. So we're going to explain this whole thing about the lower fear, the higher fear, all that stuff later on in the Tanya. So that's the end of the text. So just to bring it back. So again, so basically, if you think about it, let's say going back to this analogy of a husband and wife, if you The husband is doing the dishes and he's doing all of, and he's taking out the garbage and doing all of these things, but he's not doing it for his wife's sake. That's not really an expression of love. That's just an expression of him being a clean and neat kind of person. But the true expression of his love will be when the wife specifically asks him to do something, which he would not necessarily do already. And he does it merely for his, for her sake. He does it because she asks him to do it. So if he does something because she asks him to do it, this would only happen if on some level he loved her and he, and this was an expression of his love. And perhaps this 
this act of service, like perhaps her asking him to do this thing and then him fulfilling this duty, perhaps this is the thing that's going to arouse the sense of love within him. So this is very analogous to our relationship with God and how it works. That basically when we do things for serving God, to say that we're actually really serving God, there needs to be that love attached to it because otherwise it's not true service of God. If the only way to really truly say that we're serving God is if we're doing something merely because God tells us to do it. And it's not just because it's something that's habitual and we grew up with it and it's, it's just like a natural thing or it feels good to us, you know, kind of thing. Like a lot of people, I was having a discussion the other day about this idea that it's become very commonplace among secular Jews to have Friday night Shabbos meals. And I think that's a very nice thing, but there is an argument to be said that people are not doing this. It's not coming from a place of loving God. It's coming from a place of enjoying the experience. It's a selfish kind of motivation that it's nice to have a break from the week. It's nice to get together with family. It feels good to eat really good food. And it's, it's this really nice thing, but there's no God infused within it. I still think it's good because I think it's a step in the right direction. And sometimes there's this idea of from out of Shalolishma, Balishma, that first people start doing things not for the right reasons, and then it leads them to do things for the right reasons. But just to explain this idea again, that that's the difference is that if a person's keeping Shabbos just because it feels good to them and it's nice to have a break out of the week, that's not an expression of love of God. A true expression of love of God is when we truly do something just because God asks us to do that. Just like in the analogy of people, if we do something for our friend, it truly expresses our love of them, whether it's our spouse or anybody. If we are doing it because they asked us to do it because it's a reflection of our love of them. So that is it for today. So I hope that was interesting to you and, and especially in light of the love languages and all of that, maybe at some point we'll get into some of the other love languages. I'm not sure, but it seems like the acts of service is really the most predominant one, at least when it comes to our relationship with God. And We will continue along these lines tomorrow when we conclude this chapter 39. I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Benyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.